You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is Grand Design Podcast with DJ and Jerry Grand, where we link the chains of reason of sports, politics, and culture. Welcome to episode four of the Grand Design Podcast. My name is DJ Grand, and once again, I'm joined by my brother, Jerry. Hello. Today, we're going to be discussing officiating and how it relates to the games, all games. We did believe discussing NBA officiating as well as the NHL. Basically, the officials are the police, judge, and jury of these games. They are the ones that are the purveyors of justice. And when they don't do their jobs, then games aren't just and unfair. I think what we're going to discuss and find out that um, most of these leagues, NBA, NFL, not so much the uh, Major League Baseball as yet, but the NHL, the leagues are picking the teams that are going to advance um, by mandating such things to these referees. Uh, case in point, we'll get into the NBA in a little bit, but first off, it's the San- Saints and Rams game. Now, that was the most horrible non-call in the history of the game. Especially for the time of the year, yes, it was. The most critical going to the Super Bowl, NFC Championship. Granted, had that call been in week six, no big deal, forget about it, go on to the next week, week seven, live to play another week. Because it was for the Super Bowl, fans took that to literally, to the nth degree, to like you were saying last week, a senator put on the uh, floor to go ahead and do what? They wanted to do uh, make sure the replay was going to go, an NFL replay. A do-over, yeah. more or less, and that just isn't going to happen. But again, week six, uh, it doesn't care about. But week seven, we got legislation in the U.S. government. You had a fan or a lawyer who was a fan of the Saints sue the NFL for one of the reason was lack of uh, life or lack of enjoyment of life because of the lost game and that one call. It's silly. Very silly. But the call was, was literally egregious. And I still haven't heard the reason why it wasn't called yet from the NFL. But I'm going to basically throughout the show. Didn't they come out and say it was human error? Yeah, but it wasn't human error. That, the rough was right there. And you even in the, in the play, well, the replay, you've seen the chief ref, the white hat, looking right at the play. And he's the one that can overthrow any referee on that field. And he was looking right at it. They always say they don't want to be part of the narrative. I'm going to bring this back up again later when we talk about the NHL, but that non-call made them part of the narrative. But as you started the show off, they were, they're there for the purveyors of justice. They are. Whether it's in the first two minutes or last two seconds of the game, a penalty is a penalty. And the one, the one ref at the goal line was right there looking at it, and it was a blatant no-call. I still haven't heard what happened to him if he's fired or if he has a job yet. Uh, yes, human error from Roger Goodell, but that's – I'm going to basically explain why I don't think so. Because the NFL known is known for tinkering with drafts. And I can go back to – I'm sure Lions fans can recall. I think it was a couple years ago. They were in the playoffs. They played in Dallas. And they were playing pretty well. They are going to win. The referees called an interference on the Dallas Cowboys. The flag was called. Thrown. thrown. They called it. They got into a group to discuss it, as they should. Des Bryant went on the field with no helmet. Now, right there, that's a penalty right there. So I'll get back to that. They picked up the penalty flag. No call. 
with, after a lengthy discussion, and what everyone may not know, every discussion is with the, New York, the NFL in New York. There's a head ref. Last year it was Dean Blandino. He's now a, a, a referee analyst for Fox Sports, I think, and they have a new person. I do not know his name. But that referee, he's calling all these judgment calls, and he's talking to these refs, and they picked that flag up. Who do you want in the playoffs? Who's going to sell more? And it's about television. It's not seats. It's television. What's going to sell, the Dallas Cowboys or the Detroit Lions? Nationally, it'll be the, the Cowboys. Every day of the week. So the flag was picked up, and nothing was said about Des Bryant coming off trying to justify that it wasn't interference, and that was right there, a 15-yard penalty, which would have gave the Lions a first down, and the game would have been changed. The narrative would have been changed. Whether the Lions win or not, totally other subject. Well, once again, the refs became part of the narrative. When they, that's their excuse of not making a call is they don't want to be part of the narrative, yet they were part of the narrative. And we talked about it last week, the uh, tuck rule, which is famous for Tom Brady. And if you listen to Jerry Rice, there was no such rule before that game. If you watch the film, that was a fumble by every rule. No doubt about it. But now, at the time, uh, three minutes was the limit. If the refs could not be clear and defined on the call, they had to go with on the field. That went over six minutes. And they basically, at the time, it was Paul Tagliabue, who basically told the head ref, we'll make the rule for it tomorrow. It's an incomplete pass right now. Because that fumble sealed the Raiders' victory. And they wanted the Patriots. NFL has a narrative. So they're using the referees. Why the referees? I'm surprised one hasn't come out, but we're going to find one has because he got in the wrong means of it, he was gambling and got hooked up to where he was calling games for his aspect, the NBA official Tim Donahue. But if it happens in the NBA, and I can see it happening in the NFL, now it's making sense. Before, I didn't, I could not figure out uh, why these calls are being made. In a good written other, to back up my reasoning, the very se- the second drive of the Super Bowl, the Rams made a top-notch play. It was third down and uh, third down and ten screen pass. It was blown up by the Rams, but the, the ref called the penalty on someone else that did not even come close to what he was called for, which is defensive holding or being a, a defensive player. If I remember, it was a ghost penalty. Yes, correct. And now it's almost like the Michigan guy who was the running back who got he- called for holding Higgin. when he was being held. Higgin, yes, correct. Uh, same Iowa, thing. I think, yes. For these things to happen at these points, it's almost like the Rams were being paid back for that no call. And they're using the referees for, for their agenda, their mandates. I wish I could defend them. I wish I could say they're, they're being objective and making a mistake. But in this instance, I don't think they were. I think there was a plan. And they were they were following by what they were told from above. Speculation, because I have no proof of it. But uh, that's what the, the – the, it was indicated anyways to me. Correct. Now, I'm going to use an interview. It was published uh, May 24th of 2018. Uh, Chris Krause was the interviewer, and he interviewed Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue is the referee of the NBA who was a notorious for betting scandal. Uh, he foresees play NCAA, uh, NCAA players fixing games as sports betting becomes legal. Now, during this interview, he asked some very awesome questions, the first being when you first heard of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling, what were your thoughts? Now, Donahue is saying first thoughts were that it was long overdue and sports leagues are now going to take advantage of the fact that gambling is legal and do everything they can to capitalize on the revenue and get a piece of the pie, which is all about the money. I see no problem with them taking advantage of gambling as long as it's legal. I mean, I'm not for gambling. I think it's irrational, but if it's legal, it is what it is. I agree. Now, when you get into 
um, our legal bo- uh, legal bookmakers going to have trouble getting the betters to move over from the illegal markets? Can the legal market succeed? I think people are still going to Donahue. I think people are still going to t- go to the local bookies for a lot of reasons. They go to want they're going to want to avoid paying taxes when they win and stay away from paying any fees to the leagues. Now the leagues are going to get fees from these gamblings now, which is all more money for them. Which is why the NBA is promoting it. I think they'll, it's not just that. They're going to stay away from it, not just because of taxes. I mean, that's just the easy route. That's what they're going to do. Their eyes are cast down on the path of least resistance. I agree. I mean, they did the office pools all the time. I mean, so it has nothing to do, at least in my it's, point of view. It's still going to go in the back seat. Yes, it's still, still going to happen. Uh, now, he, he does see trouble for the NCAA, but he's more concerned about the uh, NBA, which is where he's from. And he's asking them, have the NBA cleaned up their act with regard to how referees officiate? Now, this is Tim Donahue responding back, no. I don't think it's cleaned up. I still see referees officiating based on the names on the front and back of jerseys and not based on how the rules are written in the rule book. I still see officials advancing in the playoffs who have a poor performance and embarrass the league. A prime example is NBA referee Zach Zarba. At the end of Game 5 in the Boston-Philadelphia Eastern Conference semifinal series, this would be last year, he missed two critical calls that would have most likely given Philadelphia the win. Instead, the series is over, and it costs that franchise millions of dollars. Who knows? Maybe they go back to Philly. Maybe they win Game 6, and it goes to Game 7. And yet, he advances to the third round of the playoffs. In the NCAA, if a college basketball official has a poor game like that, he doesn't advance to the next round. It's the same old situation with the NBA in regard to referees advancing based on relationships they have had with whoever their supervisor is. I... To me, it's 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 about moral relativity versus um, moral objective. It's it's relative based on where they're at, who's playing. Like you said, the uh, it was based on uh, popular players. I mean, that's total relativism. Well, it's the next question even addresses that even more. Are the referees giving players star treatment because of personal preference, or is there something more to it? You previously talked about the 2006 Maverick Heat NBA Finals as a series where the referees were given a mandate to ref a certain way. Now, that's the NBA telling the refs. I was going to say mandated by whom, but go ahead. The NBA, the commissioner, in a manner that extended the series. Do you believe there are mandates in place today with regard to how referees officiate? Now, Donahue answers back, stars get the benefit of an extra step and the ability to go to the line more than other people do. It's just that way. It's the way it's been. And it's that way for always going to be. That doesn't justify it. That's basically saying that I can skirt the rules because it's the way it's always been. For whatever the reason, things haven't changed. If they want to change it and say they have integrity and look at all this stuff, they shouldn't advance these referees that make critical mistakes. Now, you got to go back to this mandate. That's back when it was game five of the series between the Heat and the Mavericks. Mavericks win game six, series is over. Now, the Heat win game six, it goes to seven. So they were told before that game to mandate that it goes to game seven. Dallas had no chance. Am I wrong? But didn't that happen against with the bad boys too? Something with uh, the now, Portland well, Trailblazers? Now that you're going back 29 years and that was yeah, the so Portland Trailblazers. The, the Portland Trailblazers. It's their second uh, defense. Of the, they won the first year. They're defending it now. They're playing in the finals. And that year, Portland never lost at home. They were undefeated at home. They come to the first two games, and they split with Detroit, and they're on the plane saying, we're not coming back. We're going to win the next three in Portland. They don't win one game. Now, Lambert is hated among everywhere, everyone. He's the evil person, and he was getting flop calls. They weren't even touching him, and they were calling 
the other team for charging. Duckworth, he was their center. It got into his head so bad, it took him off their game completely. And Detroit did what no other team could do the whole year. They beat him three times straight. They were right. It wasn't coming back to Detroit. But I wondered that time, that was those calls. I mean, it, he was acting. Lambeer well, was acting. There's a couple issues there. A, is it right for Lambeer to act and get away with it? There, talk about integrity. There's no integrity to that. But if we're going to concentrate on the officials, if they're doing their jobs, what they're there for, they should be calling every single infraction. And that is an infraction. But when they have a mandate that the, this team doesn't win, this literally, this goes to – now, they're not saying the Mavericks win tonight. What they're saying is it's game six. This series going seven. So they were mandated for that series to be extended one more game. You may lose your job, but if you're living by principles, you still call it. Principles out the, out the window. That's it, it's not even in this. But then he goes back and he's, have you ever seen any playoff series since you've been out of the game that made you wonder what's going on? Similar to the 2006 Mavericks series. Not to that extent. I think when you talk about a series like that and the one that the Lakers in 2001 advancing where Sacramento should have won a championship, those referees back then, Dick Baveda and Bob Delaney, Guys who would openly talk about big market teams and teams down in the series that you need to give the benefit of the call. So now it's not how you're playing the game. It's not how the rules are written. And that's what Donahue's point is. It's the location, market, and who's down in the series. The very definition of moral relativism. It's relative on where they're playing at, where, where, what time but the why, game is, why or what the, time in the season. Why would the league do this? I would say for money, fans. Absolutely, because it's all about television deals. And it, it's really all coming clear reading this interview, like with the NFL. Their b- biggest money, the owners make a huge amount of money off the uh, ESPN and Fox and the, and the TV deals. I mean, these are huge deals. A, a owner now, back in before the TV was big, before the Super Bowl changed the culture, if no one came to the game, the owner is upset and he's firing people. Nowadays, they could that stadium could be empty, and the owner would not feel a thing because of the money they They're get. Still getting paid, billion TV contracts, billions from the TV. So it all goes back to now big market teams. They're paying these TV commercials. What's going to draw more fans to watch this series? Wasn't big market versus small market one of the reasons for the two thousand four, two thousand, or I think it was two thousand three, two thousand four uh, labor dispute in the NHL? That the big market teams, Detroit, yeah, the, the Rangers, the, yeah, wasn't that the, the, the one reason for change? Yeah, because the small market teams didn't have a shot against the big market teams. Well, that was just a salary cap because Detroit was spending how how much? And as you point out earlier, buying the cup because they could to where teams like uh, Pittsburgh and Nashville they don't have the resources Detroit or New York does for because of size of population they couldn't compete. So the NHL came up with an idea of a hard salary cap to make it equal, which we can't be equal, but everyone spends the same amount of money. They, it's a hard cap. You can't go over. But when the when the referees are being told to, refer, to, how to, how to officiate. officiate a certain way, then it doesn't matter about salary caps. The league has found a way to get around to where it doesn't matter about the salary caps anymore. Like the Yankees in baseball, they don't care about the luxury tax. They're going to pay and they're going to win. Uh, I think uh, Illich the first couple of years didn't care about it. But then uh, for some reason, after a couple of years of that, he didn't like it and reined back the salaries. And hence, Verlander was traded and Cabrera's salary was just a huge mess of a contract. But the point being is Mike Illich wanted to spend money. He wanted to win championships. Now it's gotten into the leagues are dictating 
who wins what championships. And it may be to their own detriment. I can see this actually turning fans off, especially in the small market teams. Their, their teams, I mean, you're, you're, you're rooting for your team to go all the way. And if they don't have a chance, eventually they're going to give up and say, I'm done with this. Yes. I can it, see it hurting them. The, and the NFL didn't have any competition until this past weekend with the AAF or whatever the league is. AAF, yes. And from what the first reviews are, they like it better. The fans like it better than the NFL. They're doing some different things with officiating. Uh, there are no TV timeouts. It's a much quicker game. Yeah, I think it's, it's and you can hear the the calls by the by the quarterback. I think you're you're getting more involvement. It's almost interactive with the fans where the NFL isn't. I didn't pay attention the first week. I'll have to because I like to see how the games are officiated because everyone can see the calls now on TV. The cameras everywhere. These calls don't go unmissed. Yet the referees miss it, but the fans all over the place and even the ones that are at their homes can see it clear as day. And that's where I think it's going to go toward the uh, robotic or the computers calling these games. It's going to be tough in hockey and football, but baseball is already doing it. And baseball with the the, the strikes on the little box, and yeah. that that's going to become to where it isn't going to have a human error. It's going to be the computer calling strikes, and you can't argue with the computer now. Well, I think to the the refs will lose their job, or at least the most of them. This is where it's going to lead to where we're going to have automated um, officiating. I mean, if you go to baseball, you could have the the cameras seeing who was safe at second, you know, on the, on the slide or whatever. You don't need someone standing there with their non-objective call, which could once again affect the narrative of the game and and a, I guess the, the robot would be total objective. Now, I, I agree because Donahue also points out that some officials are afraid to blow the whistle with 20,000 people screaming at them. Well, yet some love to have the crowd go against them. So now you got referees just blowing it on their ego, wanting the attention. But once so again, that's – it's the same – It goes against the whole justing – being justified or the – Wanting justice and calling that play right, or because it's based on the moral relativism. It's, it, but it has it's nothing not to do objective. with policing the league now in a objective way. There are definitely things behind the scenes. It's becoming more and more like, and I didn't want to believe this. The WWE, when it's dictated the, ahead, it's yeah, a dance. they're picking the winners, and these guys even know beforehand going into the match who's win. It's all choreographed. It's getting to that point. The NFL already choreographs their their drafts. Meaning they dictate where the players they want to go. And that can be proven in the 83 draft with Marino to Elway. I mean, there are so many things the NFL has stepped in and just blew because they literally said who was going where. And this documented. To, to get back to the officiating, I wish I could tell the difference if, if, if it's actually mandated right from up above or if the, the officials are just corrupt. I mean, it could be either one. They both could be corrupt. It, that's kind of hard to tell. But when you get into the big market in the NFL, or anyone in the league wanting one certain team over a, I'm going to start paying attention to the little market teams because if they started getting these crappy calls, I'm going to know it's, man, something from above was told the big market team goes, or even a game five to game six. Get it to game seven. If the little if the little guy gets wins game seven, fine, but get it to game seven, it's still much more money. Like he pointed out, losing those two games, lost that, that, that franchise millions of dollars. If the fans would start thinking in terms of principles, they wouldn't accept it. They shouldn't accept it. I don't accept it. No one should accept it, but it's it's all about who hit the last home run, who scored the last touchdown, and that's all that matters to them. And that's what, yeah, but we, we get back to it. But now it's the league, though, dictating their dollars. I think they're using the fans as pawns and puppets, and the fans don't, oh, even, real, they don't even realize it, and that's that, a problem. That's what I meant by not thinking in principles. If they did, they'd realize it. But if we go from the NBA now to the NHL, and this is even a little bit more um, – 
peculiar, I guess, say because the NFL and the NHL they they ref their games differently in the regular season to the playoffs, in the first period to the third period. It's Absolutely. a completely different game. Uh, you can actually see the relativism in the NHL because there, you'll see hardly any calls, especially if it's a game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. You'll see hardly any calls at all. Either way, one team or another, because once again, the, the refs don't want to be a part of the narrative and it's total, total relativism. If there's an infraction, even as a Eddie Olkchuk used to call subtle and subtle interference, it's still interference. It still should be called. I don't care if there's a thousand infractions that are called and constant going into the, the penalty box. Eventually, they'll get the point that if they keep making these illegal plays, they won't they won't be playing that much and they'll stop. They, well, they it's came a detriment. Out. They it came out be. a couple of years ago and they really in the beginning of the season were calling everything. But that faded away throughout this as the season worn on. And then when you got to the playoffs, it is a completely different season. Um, there's a great article from the Buffalo Spree by Peter Martin and from December of 2018. So that was just a few months ago. And basically, he's talking about how the penalties have changed since the lockout. Right away after the lockout, everyone was praising how the, the games changed. They put the trapezoid uh, rule in. They, they were supposed to be calling the infractions more, the hooking, the holding, the interference. And all of a sudden, scoring went up. Well, he acknowledges the NHL has gotten away from calling those penalties on lazy defenders. And we are returning to the battle days of hockey. In 2005-2006, the, f- the first after the lockout, teams averaged 6.5 goals per game, in large part thanks to 12.7 minor penalties called each night. Those numbers have plummeted. By 2016-17 NHL season, average goals per game had fallen almost a whole integer Integer, sorry, averaging just 5.11 with just 6.7 minors called. It's not like planes this got, suddenly got cleaner. The penalties stopped happening. They just got uncalled. There's a great um, article from, from it's hockeygraphs.com, and they took all the games, regular season games from 2005, 2006, all the way up to 2017, 2018, and they showed that basically at the end of the third period, the referees would not make a call. They would stop making what would be basically objective calls, non-judgmental calls. When If it was a uh, uh, delay of game into the uh, stands, they would always be called. They're, they're, they're obvious. But ones, the hooking, the holding, the, the interference, the ones that call, that call judgment, the refs stop calling. Now, that means it's relative based to the time of the game. I'm going to go back 10 years ago, about 2008, 2009. I spoke with an NHL referee in person. And I talked to this referee just about this. And he came out and said, they are not going to be the reason for a team to win in at the end, in a playoff game or in overtime. Anything in the quote wait, was wait, anything on. short of a guy being decapitated. Will not be called, and even decapitated, but he, they, they may are, not. They call. are the reason because when someone gets away with doing something illegal, and they and and a play happens, they end up scoring. They become the reason it happened, and so that it's it's foolish thinking. It's absolutely it's naive. Yet he was confident. I mean, his tone. He wasn't. He was sure. He it was almost like that's how he was told to ref the game by his superiors. I think it's in the culture when we used to play 
adult no-check hockey. And I remember we were in a playoff game, and I was being tugged right in front of the ref. And the ref came to the bench. I complained to him in colorful language, and the ref turned to me and said, I'm not calling that right now. That's the same exact – it's be relative based on the time of the game. A penalty that's – Or the kind of game. Hooking in the first two minutes is hooking in the last two, whether it be overtime, game seven, it does not matter. If you're objective. But the refs, for some in the NHL, they don't want to be the ones. Now, I can't figure out – it's the worst of all the leagues. If it comes from up top or if it's just within the referees from the head ref telling them, you will not determine a game. And there are – there's a ton of penalties that are given as makeup calls. Once you again, can see that they are determined by not calling something. It's break it down to a rush song. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. They are making a choice by not calling it. They're still interfering with the game. It's just not obvious. They're it's, not looking at it that way. They're basically they're saying not looking at it objectively, correct. subjectively. They're basically saying that we're going to have our hand putting the whistles in our pockets, and we're going to let you play the game. That's somewhat what the uh, the Rams and uh, Saints and Rams happened. Put the whistle in the pocket and they played the game. It, it was the rules are there are no rules. Remember when I brought up that there were the police, judge, and jury? They're not. What if they did? What if the, the police, judge, and jury took on that exact same philosophy and took on moral relativism well, and says, oh, well, uh, I'm not going to. I mean, you can even hear it in the, uh, um, the border with the uh, separate of the families that we, sh- even though it's illegal, we, sh- we should think of the families. You know, and and that that's moral relativism because it's based on whether they're parents or not, not whether they broke the law. Okay, so we we bring this over into sports. It's not whether they the penalty or not. Exactly, it's the, the refs' judgment because they don't want to be in the last two minutes of causing them to lose or win in the game, which is an emotional argument. Well, I completely agree. Which that, but that's been hockey forever. I think that's hockey's problem. I mean, they're one of the worst, they're the least popular sport. I think that's part of the problem. People can see, especially fans. That these playoff games, it's a different. It's not the same game as regular season. Partly, I also think part of the problem. It's in the culture. It's the Don Cherry mentality. It's I have to hit. I have to pull. I have to trip. It doesn't matter whatever will get me through. That, that's look what Don Cherry used to say. He was proud of the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks all didn't wear visors. He was so proud of that. Yet it it that's irrelevant to the game. Absolutely, it's it's what is it what is it foster the tough man. This doesn't matter, but Cherry's from that Gordy Howe kind of day when it was brutal. You know the refs they didn't call anything for for that reason. And yeah, Cherry loved that kind of rough, and that, those are his boys, the Gilmore. But, but as the game has changed, and the refs, the calling of the games should evolve with that. I could see back in Don Cherry's that these these calls wouldn't be. He not this is back not even when he was in, I think he was seventy two and he's the coach of the Bruins. Yeah, no, even I, then. no. This is this is recent when he was just a sportscaster. But for, that's Don Cherry. That, that's in him. He's never going to change. Okay, it starts from the top and it dwindles down, and then someone ends up getting their neck broken in playing hockey because of that tough man mentality. I mean, we go back to the referee. Look at what Todd Partuzzi did. I think his name was Moore, and he broke his neck on ice. Yeah. They allowed it to happen because they weren't calling infractions. Had they been calling what they should have been, that would have been stopped immediately, and he would not have lost his job and his livelihood. I think if the refs called them like they should, there wouldn't be the need for an enforcer in hockey. I think the need well, for the enforcer because the refs don't want to call. So the teams have to self-police. 
get into a different subject, but I don't think there should be enforcers because hockey isn't about fighting. You want you want fighting? Go to boxing. Go to MMA. That's great, but that's not what hockey is about. But Hockey's about skating, shooting, and scoring. Skill. Yes, skill. that's skill. I, I completely agree. What does an enforcer got to do agree. with that? But if a ref isn't going to call that slashing, then you got Martin McSorley going out there. You're not going to touch Gretzky again. I'm going to rip your head off. See, and that in the team, they follow. They don't touch Gretzky. But had the ref called it, you wouldn't need McSorley out there. It's the Batman mentality. Vigilanteism. That's what you it, have to be a vigilante in order to have justice. And that is a problem with the refs. If the hockey, refs did their job, you wouldn't need vigilantes. That's hockey to the core right now. It isn't about the penalty being in the first two minutes or the last two minutes. They don't want to be the ones that called or had a part in calling that game. And they'll even go so far to where they'll give a team if if the if a coach works over the ref good enough. They'll give them a makeup call just for a grade, which isn't a penalty. They're going to call. There's the exact opposite because they want to make up that call because they, the coach got in their ear and they're kind of thinking back that maybe it was a ghost call. Here we go again. It's some referees like that. Some referees don't and they give him. And Even makeup calls have the edge of moral relativism to them because oh, it's not based on objectivity. That's my whole objectivity. point. It's based on, oh, I made a mistake or this team got a penalty. We have to give one to this team. In the overtime or of a game seven, someone literally tomahawks and breaks their stick. They're not going to call it. But in the first period, when they want to make up a call and the guy just grazes that stick, it's a it's a, a slashing. It's, it's a completely it's, it's, it's very sad. And once again, this goes to my point that they by them not calling it, they're causing they're they're creating the narrative. And I kind of think that's why they're one of the least popular. Because the fans just get so frustrated that these calls – and look, the, the, the goon of the game, they're, they're doing their best to get the goon out because he's not there anymore. And fighting. Correct. There's only a couple. The Capitals Wilson, but that he's got skill to where he can fight and he can skate. You don't find many of those guys. Ryan but, Reeves from uh, – I think he's on uh, the Golden Knights. But they're few and far between. Yeah. They, they don't want the enforcer in there. If they really didn't want the enforcer, call him. And I think you'd have better fans, but – I don't think the NHL is going to call, and that's what basically I think it stems the referee. I don't think the NHL mandates them or there's picking teams to win as much as they're saying the refs, just put your whistles in your pockets. Whoever wins, whoever comes up, comes up. That's going to bring the Bob Bob Probert's back and the thugs. I I think that's what the NHL kind of – See, that's what makes me not want to watch hockey anymore. I don't watch hockey anymore because it's frustrating. A penalty in the first two minutes should be the same in the last two minutes. It's a completely different game from the regular season. And the frustrating part is when you get into the postseason, it's a completely different game. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not just the, the stress of the playoffs and all that. I get that. It's the ref just basically, I don't know why they're there. I get it back in the day when they had one ref. Now they have two. And they still do not call because it's the playoffs. And it doesn't matter first period or not. It just, the, the penalties drop. I'm sure your graph points out in the, the playoffs that they just have no calls. Especially at the end of the game and, and in overtime. And those games are what, 0-0-1-1? If you watch an overtime playoff game, there aren't very many calls, unless it's absolutely obvious, like the delay of game when they shoot the puck in the stands. They, they much have to call those because 20,000 people see it. But And, and it's also a, not a judgment. The judgment calls, the holdings, the the, the high stickings, because the, they could say a high stick and I didn't mean it. He, he didn't. And it's a judgment. And that's the problem. If they're going to be the jury the judge and jury they need to be objective and th- that's going to make the game better if they're objective if they can fix that it would make the game much better um we'll have to see where that goes but i think all this officiating it go- comes back to how's it affi- how's it affecting the culture 
Well, I think once again, it can, it can tell it can tell all those who are watching that the end justifies the means. It's okay to cheat. It's okay. Well, it's okay to be morally relative. That the thing your 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 ethics changed based on the situation. That's what relativism is. I mean, slavery is always wrong, even though it was illegal at one time. If you're a moral absolutist, you believe it's it was it was even wrong when it was legal. Okay, that's absolutely wrong. That's how it should be in hockey. Every single infraction that is determined to be against the rules should be called one hundred percent of the time. It goes for all four. It should uh, be leagues. absolute, absolutely. But when you get into the culture now, yeah, it, it leads people to feel entitled because of the the calls are going their way. And I'll give you a, a classic example: it's the New England Patriots. That is one of the most entitled fan bases now, uh, because of look, they there are thirty one teams that are not allowed to deflate the footballs. But there is one team that can do it. And he is the greatest quarterback because he's the greatest quarterback. Because he wears blue and red and white and gray, he can deflate the balls. I will give the fans a sort of pass because they're, it's been emotional. They're rooting for their favorite team. They want they, they have emotion invested in it. That is not the job but, of the referees. No, I, the refs are supposed to be objective, and that's their job to call every single infraction, not to turn their heads. That's what they used to do in the old Soviet Union. But, if you paid me, if you greased me, I'll turn my head, and you can do anything illegal you want. I bring that's up, what the, basically the game is. I bring up that for a reason because they have refs that are guarding those balls. There are so many balls for the home team, and they're imprinted. Patriots, Steelers, whatever, so many for the visiting team. And there, there are referees assigned. Those balls are guarded. And that was happening long before. So there's an officiating crew that let that slip, all right? And then literally there was even one – I forget the team, the player, and I probably should remember. He threw the ball and said, that's not our ball. And the ref goes, you sure? Looked at the ball. He goes, yep, we got the wrong ball. Please bring their ball in. They have to, they're literally officiating which balls they have to use. I have no problem with that even. You should be able to use your own ball. Fine. I have no problem with that. The but, problem is if they're, if they're caught deflating the balls, they should be, in, the rules should be enforced. That's why I bring it up because you had officials that were just letting that go until I don't know how they, it was brought out, how it was it leaked out. But that was a long time. Because it was let go, some fans, it's okay. Now, there are other teams that can't do that. So I think it's carried off to, into our culture to where we're entitled to where we can do what we want to win the game. And it gets back to our first episode of pragmatism, whatever it takes. You see, that entitlement from the fans wouldn't work if the refs just did their job, if they officiated objectively and with an absolute moral compass, right or wrong. If it's wrong, it's called. I grew up, period, I grew up very naive thinking the refs were doing their jobs. I thought there was no way. I mean, the refs were there. That's why they're wearing their stripes. They're the person to say it's a foul, it's a penalty. I'm over the last couple years after reading this article, I've come to the conclusion that I think they're doing their jobs, but they're being told how to ref these games, and that's the problem. I don't, it is. I, I just wish the refs would learn to be objective, to learn the difference between moral relativism and, and absolute um, moral clarity. I, yeah, but when you got the owners of these leagues who are making billions, moral clarity and all that just goes out the window because it goes back down to where they want to make this money. And at the end of the day, the, the NFL is worth billions of dollars. They want to go global. They want nothing to happen to this. I don't, and it, it's sad to say that they would say, I don't want Jacksonville in the Super Bowl. Because it'll kill our world with um, marketing. 
people won't, won't watch the game anymore, won't watch the Super Bowl. When, in fact, they're watching for the commercials now. It's a difference between a true capitalist and a crony capitalist, and but, the crony capitalists are winning. And that's what it is, the, the crony capitalists, until they get – I don't want to say it's all about the money because you, you got to make money. That, that's what – it's a business. But there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way. And right now, it's the wrong way from the commissioner of these leagues, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, uh, Rob Manfort. And he's even talking about now changing rules to where uh, each pitcher much uh, – this is brand new today. He brought this up. They must face three batters. No more bringing in just and facing one. you got to face them with three batters. So they're literally dictating the game by – he's doing it through rules. See, I don't mind. I don't mind that if they bring up the rule and it's enforced at the beginning of the season and everyone has to follow it. I don't mind that at all. But it needs to be enforced. It's when you let one do, go. Do they follow it? Is the it's exactly. Yeah, I don't mind them making rules and try and improve the game. I truly don't. I'm, all the rules in football are totally different now than what they were uh, fifty, even seventy years ago. I'm totally different. It's a different game. But whenever the rules are there, are established, they should be enforced. And the refs have to be objective. And it is hard to. Because no matter what, no matter what call you make, you're the bad guy. You're going to have people saying you're right and wrong. But as a ref, they got to be objective. Mistakes are one thing. I get they're oh, human. It's, I, I get human mistakes, and, I, and I'll, I'll give them for that. But when you constantly put your whistle in your pocket at a certain t- part of the game or a certain part of the year or the season, that's not a mistake. That's done with conscious intent. And yeah, and that's what's making these leagues. And I think it's going to it's going to hurt them in their viewership. It, it will go down. The NFL will not be the NFL in ten years. And I think these calls are going to lead to people walking I think away. It's part of it. It's part of it. And I think it started with the Colin Kaepernick protest that started the people walking away. And it's a different issue, but it's, it's all these things together are going to hurt the NFL. It won't be the same league in 10 years. Absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. There's one last thing I'd like to, to bring up that's not related to the refereeing, but was brought up by the Major League Baseball this very uh, weekend. They're going to change Colin the disabled list to the injured, injured list. Coming from a person who is disabled, I am highly offended by it. It's another uh, a form of political political correctness bearing its ugly head. I'd rather be philosophically correct than politically correct. And in order to be politically correct, you elevate politics to the top level of the metaphysical level. And, and, and metaphysics is first. Politics is the fourth branch in a proper philosophical system. I would much rather be philosophically correct than politically correct. And that's why I think it's an, it's an absurd notion to change it from disabled to injury. I didn't even think of it. I, I'm disabled. I didn't even think of it until they brought it up. I never thought of it either. But that's where the uh, culture is taking us. Just today I've seen on Yahoo to where Barbie, they're now, they have disabled dolls. Okay? I think it's it's that – the uh, Manford wants to – doesn't want to uh, upset his uh, sponsors. And the sponsors have come out and said, you know, change this or we're going to go away. So now he's caving into that. It's about the money again. So now we're going to change it because our sponsors or certain people don't want to hear disabled. The Barbie thing doesn't bother me as much. I think – I don't mind disabled kids being represented. That doesn't bother me. It's when – you blatantly kowtow to political correctness, and that's what this change that's exactly is. What it it's is. not about justice. It's not about being right. It's about p- being politically correct. And like I said, and this is how I'll end it, I would much rather be philosophically correct than politically correct. You can get in touch with us at granddesignspodcast.com, on Twitter at at granddesignspod, and on Instagram at at 
Grand Designs podcast. This is the Grand Design podcast. Who are you listening to?